Welcome everyone to the Predictably Treacherous Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be reviewing the films of late 80s director Frank Harris. Uh, so we're going to be taking a look at Kill Point from 1984, Low Blow, and The Patriot from 1986, and Lockdown and Aftershock from 1990. So buckle up. So here's what Wikipedia had to say about Frank Harris. Frank Harris is an American film director, producer, and cinematographer who has been working in films since the late 1970s. His work as a director includes Kill Point in 1984, Low Blow and The Patriot in 1986, If We Knew Then, I think that's a mistake actually, in 1987, and Lockdown in 1990. It doesn't even say Aftershock. This uh, Wikipedia page might need a little bit of an update. Um, so, yeah, Frank Harris was uh, has been working in films since the 70s. Um, I guess he, his directing window is pretty short from 1984 to 1990, despite what it says in the Wikipedia entry here. Um, a couple of notes. Um, he was married to Canadian-born Diane Stevnet, says married 1980. And she actually made an appearance in a number of his films. And she had kind of minor roles, but not insignificant. Not like just uh, an extra in some scene with a, a non-speaking part. Like she actually had speaking parts in, in the movies. Um, I think she was in all of the films except for Aftershock. I don't think she's in Aftershock. And um, actually prior to his career in movies, um, Frank Harris worked in the as a reporter uh, for a California television station. And this is very interesting because watching his movies, um, I started thinking, hmm, I wonder if this guy was a traffic reporter at some point because he has, I think it's in at least two of the movies, I think it's three um, scenes where we get into a helicopter, like a small little helicopter, like a traffic helicopter, and the helicopter takes off, and it's shots of the city from the helicopter. And it made me think, like, this, this is like looking through the eyes of someone who is a traffic reporter. And when I read the Wikipedia page, I was like, oh, maybe he was a traffic reporter. So <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't say here he was a traffic reporter, but it does seem like that. It says he was a reporter. All right, so let's find out what Wikipedia had to say about Kill Point. So Kill Point is a 1984 American action film directed by Frank Harris that stars Richard Roundtree, Cameron Mitchell, Leo Fong, Stack Pierce, Hope Holiday, and Diane Stevnet. A psychopathic, illegal arms dealer, Joe Marks, and his gang headed by Nighthawk rob a National Guard armory with the intent of selling arms to gangs and criminals in Los Angeles. Lieutenant James Long and FBI agent Bill Bryant go after Marks. Yeah, that's about it. This, um, you can hear the badass soundtrack in the background. I've gave serious thought to actually making this the intro to my podcast, but I'm not going to rip it off that way. Yeah, so Nighthawk, played by Stack Pierce, is uh, kind of like a super badass. And he's working for gun dealer Joe Marks, played by Cameron Mitchell. So in the beginning, 
Nighthawk steals a bunch of military guns from a military installation. So clearly Wikipedia says it's a National Guard facility. I don't know. There's a lot of guns there. This is what is with the states? This is an this isn't even the army. You should see this the weapons cache this place has. It's filled with like these I don't know, M16s, like they're serious mil- military weapons and I think like uh, rocket launchers and stuff. Okay. Anyways, uh, he steals the weapons from the military. I'm calling it a military installation. And then using the guns, they launch some mass hits on the city's gun dealer competition. Um, They kill everybody at a Chinese restaurant. Apparently, I guess they were gun dealers too. And then the next day, they kill a bunch of people at a grocery store. I didn't, it was was good, good scenes, but I didn't really know how the grocery store thing, like, were they gun dealers? I don't don't know why they killed everybody there. Anyways, so that's what they were doing. The the idea is that they're killing, they're off their competition, and then they're selling guns to, like, gangs, and then those gangs are going out and doing hits. Um, Stack Pierce is incredible in this. He's a super badass his character's awesome. Um, here's a, a great clip from him. Whatever you do, no witnesses. If it ever gets back where you got them, I'm going to kill you, you, and you. Your mama, your daddy, your sister and your brother. Police suspect the missing guns are in the hands of Joe Marks and that his men are behind the killings in the Chinese restaurant and the grocery store. So they assign Agent Bryant, played by Richard Roundtree, and Lieutenant Wong, played by Leo Fong, to investigate. Lieutenant Wong has a backstory where his wife was raped and killed by, well, not by Marx, but by people like Marx, by thugs, weapons dealers, these type of guys. I don't know who it was by, but it was implied that she was raped and killed by thugs in the past. So Lieutenant Wong went through a period of grief, but now he's transformed that into wanting to get vengeance on these bad guys and there's a delicious montage that demonstrates this and you're hearing the music for it right now where he's at the coroner's and you hear the sad piano music and he's looking at a picture of his wife and then it converts to him training on this police facility he's boxing someone and he's running around shooting a gun and the camera keeps showing close-ups of his his face and his eyes staring intently. It's actually really well done.
I love that montage. Super badass music, too. There's a scene where Nighthawk kills a character called Anita. Um, I'm not going to play any audio clip from it because it doesn't translate well to audio. But if you're ever going to watch the movie, it's at 27 minutes and it goes on until 2840. Um, it's a brilliant scene. This Nighthawk is such a good creation by Frank Harris. What a character. Um, he's super badass. He looks really mean and evil and he's totally in charge and fearless. He's just such a cool character and he's just totally evil too. Um, okay, so throughout the beefy part of the middle of the movie, um, you basically get Nighthawk selling weapons to various gangs who then use them to wipe out their enemies or rob stores and murder people. And then basically what happens is Lieutenant Wong goes in and investigates the, the crimes that come out of that. He arrests some of the criminals and he gets some of the stolen guns back. And Wong seems to use the arrests as an opportunity for some kind of therapeutic catharsis. He's often fighting the criminals, uh, who all, by the way, use Kung Fu. He fights them hand to hand and he exacts his revenge on them through beatings, or it seems that way to me anyway. So eventually, um, in the, the final act, you have Lieutenant Wong poses as a gun buyer um, to get a meeting or to get a meeting arranged between him and Nighthawk and Marks. So at the end, there's this big shootout and both Nighthawk and Marks are killed and Wong gets the weapons back. Yeah, so this was uh, this is a really good film. I enjoyed it a lot. Um MovieDatabase.org gives it like a 37% or something like that. That's That seems really underrated to me. Actually, I think this this might be um, the best Frank Harris film. His other films all got higher ratings than this, but I think this might be the best one. It's really good anyway. It's totally worth seeing. If you're going to see just one of his films, just, just watch this one, the first one. Anything mid-80s, action movie, kind of B-movie is always going to be good, but... This, this film's done really well. The Stack Pierce character, I can't say it enough, was incredible. Leo Fong's a little weak, but um, he's good in this. He's, he's pretty good. One curiosity is the underutilization of uh, Richard Roundtree, who I guess is a big star in his own right. He just was barely used in this. Like, I kind of forgot he was in the movie. The, the second time I watched it, I, I kind of clued in. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because he plays one of the detectives in it, or actually he's an FBI agent, but he's working with Wong, but they don't really work together. There's really only one scene with Richard Roundtree prominent in it where he's interrogating uh, like a bad guy, um, and that's it. There's no, no fighting, nothing. He gets shot shortly after that. I don't even know why he was in it really, but maybe he had some scenes and they got cut out. So the movie poster for this is, uh, is really good. Um, I'd watch this movie just based on the poster. It's got a cool kind of 60s or 70s look to it. Um, I like it. Works very well. Okay, so the verdict here is uh, I'm giving this one rewatchable status. Um, I could definitely watch this movie a few more times. All right, next one up is Low Blow from 1986. Here's what Wikipedia had to say. Low Blow is a film released in 1986 through Crown International Pictures. It is about a private investigator that goes on the hunt for a girl who has been taken in by a religious cult. 
He recruits a team to help him in his quest to rescue the girl. It stars Leo Fong, Cameron Mitchell, Troy Donahue, Akusua Busia, and Stack Pierce. Yeah, this one is a little bizarre. Um, let's start with the movie poster. There is this big muscly guy on the movie poster and he has an enormous fist and it looks like he's going to grab you and repeatedly punch you in the groin as per the title of the movie. So this one is about a religious cult. So a filthy rich Harris heiress joins a cult slash commune and the rich father hires Joe Wong to get his daughter back. It's the basic premise. Yeah, so Joe Wong is basically a low-rent private detective working out of San Francisco. So one ordinary day while sitting down to a bowl of chicken feet soup in his local restaurant hangout, he witnesses two thugs stealing the purse of an old lady it's like some super trope. There's an old lady across the road and she's two thugs are trying to grab her purse and she's swinging it at them. It's, it's God, it's ridiculous. So he leaps into action, uh, beating up the thugs and getting the purse back. Well, the dad of the filthy rich heiress witnesses Joe's heroism and decides he's found the man to hire to get his daughter back from the religious cult. So there's lots of music in this one, like this. Billy Blanks is in this movie, and he says this. I'm going to kill you, Chinaman. Yeah, so this one's kind of in the assembles a team subgenre. See, for the second act of this, um, or the middle of the movie somewhere, Joe basically hosts a tough man contest in order to assemble a crew of misfits to attempt a rescue, including Corky, played by Stack Pierce. He's an ex-boxer. Chico, played by David Cochran. He's a Latino street gang guy. Fuzzy, played by Woody Farmer. He's a giant guy in the Bud Spencer mold. If you haven't seen Bud Spencer, you can click the link in the show notes. Cody, played by Elaine Hightower. She's the strong chick. Um, and Sticks 
played by Manny Della Pena. I think he's a waiter from a restaurant or something. I don't know how he fits in. There may have been some scenes cut out that would have explained his character a bit more. Basically, the team goes to the cult compound and takes it down and rescues the girl in the end. Yeah, so this one's not really that good. I mean, you could watch it once, but it's definitely not in the rewatchable category. After seeing how they used Stack Pierce in the first film, it was disappointing how he was used in this film. Um, and this one seems like it's pretty focused on on uh, Leo Fong. Um, and it's, it's kind of lame. I, I didn't really like it too much. I think he did some of the writing for this. Um, yeah, it was written by Leo Fong, so it just it didn't do much for me. I didn't like the storyline, the cult part. It was kind of silly. You should check out the um, really, I want to bring it up though, check out the movie poster on themoviedatabase.org. It's just bizarre, the muscly guy with the big fist. And the tagline seems to be, the deadliest weapon is still your fist. Um, it should say, uh, the deadliest weapon is still a low blow. Anyways, all right, the next one is uh, The Patriot from 1986. Eeks. Okay, so here's what Wikipedia had to say. The Patriot is a 1986 action film directed by Frank Harris and starring Greg Henry, Simone Griffith, and Stack Pierce with Leslie Nielsen, which is true. I'm just going to read ahead from the plot summary from Wikipedia. I don't feel like saying it myself. The gang, excuse me, a gang led by a man called Atkins, played by Stack Pierce, steal nuclear weapons from a storage facility in the desert. A burnt out former Navy SEAL and Vietnam vet who was previously dishonorably discharged is contracted by his former commanding officer to help retrieve the weapons. All right. So this one, uh, the movie poster, uh, don't really like it. Um, looks kind of silly. It's got American flag on it. Looks like bullshit. Um, that's fine, though. It's, I'm being nitpicky. It's okay. It's got like a guy with a machine gun in the water, even though it probably wouldn't work in the water. And um, he has a, one of those gun belt things around his shoulder or waist kind of deal, even though he's under the water. Uh, that's okay. Either way, it shows that it takes place, a lot of it, like, in the water and stuff goes on. I don't think they actually have any battles under the water, but the movie poster does depict that. It also depicts this giant submersible, which didn't really happen in the movie. That's okay. It's got a Navy guy kind of in the background of the poster. So I'm, I don't know why I'm going into the poster with such detail. I guess because there just wasn't much to this movie. I didn't really wasn't really that into it. So here's the thing. Atkins, played by Stack Pierce, playing a super badass again. This he got right. Um, he made Atkins a super badass again. So um, so Atkins and a couple of small in stature henchmen steal a couple of nuclear warheads somehow from a facility and escape in a goddamn pickup truck. They, they uh, just put this into perspective. They drove into a military facility stole nuclear weapons, and then drove away in a pickup truck with Atkins standing in the flatbed of the pickup truck as they were driving out with a machine gun, and he's mowing down military personnel like red shirts on an away mission. It's a little bit, like right away, you're like, okay, it's, it's an action movie, I get it, but um, 
It's just a little bit hard to believe. So Matt Ryder, played by Greg Henry, is an ex-Navy guy who now spends his nights in country bars fighting and whoring. He thrusts himself back into relevance when his friend Maggie, played by Frank Harris's wife, Diane Stevnett, accidentally discovers some shenanigans with nuclear weapons at the oil rig that she works at, and he decides to investigate. So I don't know what's going on there. There's like an oil rig that Diane works at, whatever her character's called, Maggie. She works there and some guys were doing something under the water and she found like this this sticker or piece of paper that had like a nuclear symbol on it. Anyways, it's a little hazy. So enter Leslie Nielsen. He's a big Navy guy who gives Ryder his opportunity back into the legitimate Navy world and back into the life of his foxy niece, Sean, played by Simone Griffith. So Ryder's a bit of a cad, and of course he steals Sean back from her fiancé. But to make that more palatable, um, the fiancé, Mitchell, he turns out to be the mastermind behind the stolen nuclear weapons. He's the one um, sponsoring Stack Pierce's character, although his motivations are very unclear. Um, Ma- not Maggie, uh, Sean, the girl, asks her fiancé, Mitchell, like, why? Why are you doing this? And he gives some bizarre explanation about balancing power, and I just didn't really get it. And then, okay, so in Act 3, Ryder and Sean take a helicopter, because, you know, Frank Harris seems to love helicopters, take a helicopter and a bunch of guns to the oil rig to have a big showdown with Atkins and Mitchell. So Stack Pierce, in typical badass fashion, has been working with these two bumbling hobbits the entire movie, and once they have served their purpose, he very slowly and deliberately executes them with over-the-top cruelty. It's a wonderful scene. Um, this is the kind of scene that, that Stack Pierce is great in, in these movies. So in the end, in the final scene, um, it's so tropey. Uh, it, it, I almost thought it was like a joke. So they have, of course there's nuclear weapons. So what, wh- where am I going with this? It's tropey. There's nuclear weapons. It's the final scene. So what happens? Basically the nuclear weapons are about to go off and they're going to have to disarm them. So what are they going to have to do? Well, you know they're going to have to cut one of the wires. But which wire? Well, we'll go with the red wire. And so they had to just take a guess. This is so tropey. This is like, I feel like this is a, like an Austin Powers or something. He actually had to cut one of the wires and they didn't know if it was going to be the right one. And oh, yeah. Well, he got the right one. And that's it. So I wasn't in love with this one. So it's another like, just watch it once if you want to watch the Frank Harris movies, but you could totally skip this. So here's the thing. Let's recap. You got Kill Point was really good. Very rewatchable. You got Low Blow, not very good. Maybe watch it once. You could even skip it. The Patriot, not very good. Maybe watch it once. You could even skip it. And then we're going to move on to two pretty good movies next. Let's take a look at Lockdown. 1990. So Lockdown's a film about a detective that is framed for a crime he didn't commit and is sent to prison. 
directed by Frank Harris. The film starred Richard Lynch, Chris DeRose, Chuck Jeffries, Elizabeth Catan, and Joe Estevez. So kind of the opening shot in the movie is, of course, a helicopter shot from the cockpit over a city. Um, as I mentioned previously, I think Frank Harris was a former newsman, and he probably spent some time in a helicopter because he likes these shots a lot. So this one, no stack pierce in this one, unfortunately, but Richard Lynch takes over the reins as the super badass in the movie. Um, much like he is a super badass in Invasion USA, which if you haven't seen, go see it. Um, he is super awesome in this too. It's Joe Estevez, that's an interesting little uh, actor. He's the brother of uh, Martin Sheen, the uncle of Emilio Estevez. Sort of interesting. Um, and this is the debut, at least in the Frank Harris film, of Elizabeth Caitan who is um, super sexy and she's like a kind of a little B-movie star. So in the opening shot um, with the helicopter scene, the pilot is Frank Harris, I believe. He is the, in the credits, it says that he is the helicopter pilot. So I assume this is the scene in the shot that they're referring to. Okay, so um, James Garrett, played by Richard Lynch, as I said, he plays the Stack Pierce role of being a super badass. He works for a stolen car dealer. And early on, he kills all the employees at a client's car dealership. And then he kills a young cop. Here's a little clip of Richard Lynch being a super badass. I want you to take care of him. And don't blow it. What was that? I said, don't blow it. I thought Shanks ran this operation. I mean, since when did you take over? Well, la -di da So that's what it's about, huh? It's kind of a confusing clip, actually, unless you see the video. But basically, um, yeah, so basically... The guy tells Richard Lynch's character, don't blow it. And Lynch doesn't like being told what to do. It's a bit more apparent when you see it uh, with the video. And later on in the movie, Lynch is going to try and take control of the organization. So he doesn't like being told what to do. So what's the premise of this thing? Um, well, here it is. So Rod Taylor, played by Chris DeRose and his partner, Mac McGuire, so Rod and Mac, played by Chuck Jeffries, are cops chasing Garrett and his accomplice, Johnny, Larry Mintz. They catch up with them in an apartment building, but Garrett manages to knock Rod unconscious and use his gun to kill his own partner, Johnny. So this effectively frames Rod for Johnny's murder. This framing is even more poignant because when Rod and Mac first discovered the young cop that had been killed by Garrett at the car dealership, Rod knew the young cop personally 
and later during the chase he remarked that he wanted to make the criminals pay for what they did to the young cop. So Rod looks guilty here, and he quickly finds himself under arrest and heading to jail for murder, 15 to life. It's too bad because he won't be able to spend time with that beautiful wife uh, of his, played by Elizabeth Catan, in her first Frank Harris film, as I mentioned earlier. She'll be a main character as well in the next film, Aftershock. Um, the last Frank Harris film, I guess, I'm saying that because I'm not clear on what the release date was for this film. For Lockdown, it just says 1990 as the release date. But Aftershock was also 1990. It was in April. Aftershock was probably first now that I think about it. But in any case, I'm treating this one like it's first. Um, so... Yeah, so Elizabeth uh, Catan, she, some other notable roles for her, Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity, which I have, but I haven't watched yet. And another one that sounds great, um, Assault of the Killer Bimbos. Yeah, sounds nice. I saw a nice little 30-second clip of that movie on YouTube. Um, some astute YouTuber has a channel all about um, ass scenes from B-movies. Um, so he's got a great shot of Elizabeth Catan and two other girls um, from that movie looking into the engine of a car with the hood up. So it's a yeah, good little channel. Nice little niche channel. Okay. So while Rod is trying to survive in prison, his partner, Mac, is trying to find out what really happened when Rod was framed so that he can get Rod out of jail. Let's listen to a little clip of Rod. This is actually a kind of famous clip from this movie. It's people think of uh, the character uh, Mac as, or the actor who plays him as kind of like... Um, the poor man's Eddie Murphy and in this clip you'll hear it and if you see it it's let's listen to it you the guy who called yes yeah, right. I call let me get this right you want a transmission for a 280 SEL you want a rear panel for a BMW 735 and you want 12 LYBBS rims that's right it's like what I want what are you gonna do with all this stuff what you mean what I'm doing with all this stuff yeah. I'm redecorating my house with it. That's what I'm doing with it, man. Why you want to ask me some stupid questions, man? Yeah. I can't sell it to you. And who the hell are you? Who am I? Who am I? I'm American Express. I'm Visa. I'm the Discover card. Look, man, my money is good, all right? I work eight hours a day. I work 10 hours a day. I work Saturdays and Sundays. I got customers. I do side jobs. I do in jobs. I do out jobs. I'm a job man. That's what this whole thing is about. Jobs, man. And wait a minute. Newsflash, newsflash. You're not selling to me because I'm a black man. That's it, isn't it? I'm a black man. He won't sell it to me. That's right. You know what? I'm a black man with five children. Jamal, Janice, Shaquan, Shawanga, and, and Elvis. That's right, Elvis. And Elvis is sick. Elvis is so sick he had to live in a bubble. You're going to bust my little boy bubble just because I'm black. I'm going to call the NAACP, the SPCA. Whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second. It takes a couple days to get these things. I can't get them overnight. I got a shipment coming in Thursday. Come back on Thursday. Thursday. All right, then. Thursday's good. I'll be back Thursday. Yeah, come back then. I can't. 
pleasure doing business with you, uh, gentlemen, and I like your establishment. It's so beautiful around here and everything. Just come back Thursday, huh? Just do me a favor. Yeah, my son will be able to get that neck transplant that he needs. I'm going home to take care of him now, Timmy and his shoulder. Later. Okay, and here's one more clip. What time you got? 7.20 in the morning. 22nd. 22nd. You know something? This is like an anniversary for me. I'm a real happy man today. Yeah, why? Uh, about a year ago, when I was working for Riverside Police Department, I got this call, right? Somebody had broken into a house. So I show up on the scene, I start checking out the area and whatnot. All of a sudden, this guy takes off from behind some bushes. The report also said this guy was armed and dangerous. And I'm running behind this guy, and I'm screaming in my most authoritative voice, Holt, Holt, or I shoot. He ain't paying no attention to me, right? So I get pissed off. So I pull out my gun, I take aim. I start shooting. I can't hit him, man. I swear to God, I tried my best. I couldn't hit the son of a bitch. Finally, I shot like two, three times, fourth shot, hit the ground, ricocheted, hit his heel. The dude went down, I caught him, I cuffed him. Funny thing about it, I got an accommodation for not killing the guy. Some TV news reporter did a story on me, said that I shot warning shots over the head of a fleeing felon who was armed and dangerous. I couldn't believe it. Everybody thought I was like the big humanitarian. Truth of the matter was, I was trying to inoculate that son of a bitch with my 357 mag. That's a great story, ain't it, Ron? Yeah, Mac, it's great. Yeah, I like it. You know, that's one of the things that I really love about some B-movies is you get some actors like this, like Chuck Jeffries, who's basically like Eddie Murphy, but the B-movie version. Or, for example, um, in The Black Cobra, uh, Fred Williamson is um, does the ripoff of the Dirty Harry quote. Um, just shit like that is incredible. Um, this is this is one of the cool features of the B movies that I really enjoy, is the mimicking of mainstream movies or mainstream actors. So in the end, in the final act, anyway, in this movie, um, basically Rod and Mac figure out that Garrett is the one who framed Rod for the murder, and Rod breaks out of prison um, in a laundry truck, and then he and Garrett have a big showdown in a warehouse at the end. And in an unusual twist at the end, Garrett actually shoots himself rather than being arrested by the cops. So that wasn't really expected. And then we get this great outro music. Hey man, you know me, I'm too tough to die. I ain't hearing too well though. That's nasty, ain't it? Ooh. Look man, it was 10, it... well it was two guys, right? I took him on, you know, and I was fighting him, but Gary caught back, me from behind. Back. He had me chained to a chair, back. man. He had a knife. It was a, it was a machete, and he was cutting like this, and he, I moved, and it cut my ear off, and I kept fighting him, though. And is that your wife, man? She looked pretty good.
Okay, next one, Aftershock, released April 7th, 1990. Now, I'm not sure if this one was actually released before lockdown, because the release date for lockdown is, quote, 1990. doesn't have an actual date. So, but anyways, I'm just doing this one last, so here's where we're at. Um, here's what Wikipedia had to say about Aftershock. Aftershock is a 1990 action-slash-science-fiction film directed by Frank Harris, written by Michael Standing, starring James Liu and Michael Standing. It was distributed through Universal Pictures. So, yeah, not really. Um, Michael Standing may have written it, but he's definitely not a star in it. His character has about two lines in the whole movie. James Liu is in the movie. He's kind of a enforcer guy for the bad guys. I definitely wouldn't call him, I wouldn't say it's starring him. I don't even think he's a major character. He's in a few scenes, but that's it. He doesn't really have a lot of speaking parts, just a couple of lines. So the movie really stars Jay Roberts Jr., who I don't know him from anything, Elizabeth Catan, who was in Shockway, or sorry, Shock, what am I saying? Um, Lockdown as well, a uh, previous uh, Frank Harris movie and she plays the main character in this and it stars john saxon it's one of the bad guys he's really good and chris DeRose, he's one of the bad guys too and he was also from the previous movie lockdown so you get kind of um the idea here is it's a future dystopia i think wikipedia says uh it's world war three maybe um i don't know i've got uh future dystopia so it's like this urban hellscape with bands of security personnel riding black jeeps with machine gun nests hunting down, quote, unregistered citizens and killing them. I like to think that it's like America circa 2050 when there's been a complete corporate takeover and the only people left are the elite, the security state, like the army and ICE and the police, and then citizens who are openly hunted and killed on trumped up and arbitrary charges. So what happens quickly in the beginning of the movie is um, one of these unregistered people, who this one's quite foxy actually, she witnesses this puff of smoke and then this woman appears out of the puff of smoke and it seems like she's uh, like an alien. She just kind of appears out of nowhere. She has this crazy red dress on. She doesn't really speak. So... Basically, these ICE agents, they're not really ICE agents, but they're like ICE agents. They capture her and they interrogate her. And she's wearing this red dress that appears to be the, a dress that um, Nancy Reagan is wearing from a picture um, that the woman is carrying. So pretty soon after that, we get our hero. Um, and our hero is this loner. He's an outsider. He wears a, a black sleeveless vest, jeans, and consistently has 2.5 days of facial hair. You've seen him before. He's the hero from a lot of films. He's a little bit of Snake Plissken in Escape from New York. He is a little bit of Flynn Rider in Tangled. Uh, a little bit of Jack Colton from Romancing the Stone with our hero 
is the Eddie Murphy impersonator, not really, Chuck Jeffries from the last film. So he's the uh, actor who he's kind of like the B-movie version of uh, Eddie Murphy. Um, and the female alien. And the three of them escape from a bad guy ice, excuse me, a detention facility. Um, Willie and the female alien join the revolutionary movement that Eddie Murphy belongs to, or whatever his character's called. Um, the movement, their goal is to overthrow the military rulers that are currently in power. So the group is run by a colonel who is an old rival of Willie's. Um, so Willie's the main character, by the way, the J. Roberts Jr. character. Richard Lynch makes an appearance in the movie, but it's it's just for one scene. So enter Richard Lynch in full military garb, including a beret with uh, a glass eye holding onto a puppy. <laughs> He's in charge of everyone. He tells the guy running the detention facility... Um, named Quinn, he's played by John Saxon, that the female who escaped may be an extraterrestrial and must be recaptured. So what's at stake in this movie? Like, what's what's the point to it? Um, so at the midpoint, the alien named Sabina tells us that her people received an old Earth space probe the probe seemed to show the Earth's leaders in peace and harmony. And her people, being at war, became curious and uh, came to Earth to investigate. So that's why she's there. And she has to get back to the portal where she arrived, um, which is kind of in the lion's den. Um, she has to get back there in order to return back home. So... The film kind of wanders for me a little bit at this point, sort of all over the place. Um, but in the final showdown, the bad guys have captured Sabina and they're holding her at the very same location as the portal, fortunately. So it's time for our hero to mount a rescue. So enter Willie riding a dirt bike and wearing white pants. So he has no more leather vest and he's uh, sporting a samurai sword, which suddenly out of nowhere, because he wasn't using this earlier. Uh, he kills a slew of bad guys to clear a path for Sabina to get back to her portal and return home. And that's basically it. So um, there's a few curiosities in this film. So as I mentioned before, Richard Lynch is in one scene. Like We don't really see him beyond the initial scene. And that's unfortunate, because I really like him. He's good. Um, there's kind of a rivalry between Willie and the revolutionary leader, which is Colonel Slater, but it's just dropped. They bring up that there's a rivalry between them, but it's just not brought up again after that. So maybe there were some scenes and they just cut them. I'm not sure. Um, the Eddie Murphy impersonator, I got to stop calling him that, Chuck Jeffries, the actor, um, he's not seen again after Sabina explains her backstory at the midpoint. He's just gone from the film. It's like they may have filmed some scenes and, and cut them out. Uh, it would have been nice to include him in the final showdown, especially to have him fight Mr. James, who is, uh, he's like a, a mini boss. Uh, cause earlier on they had a confrontation. That's the James Lou character. Um, so 
there's another curiosity is there's there's a character who is sort of a gunfighter assassin for hire. Um, the character's Brant. He's played by Chris DeRose, who was the main character in Lockdown. Um, he's contracted out by the bad guys. He actually doesn't even appear in the film until the midpoint, which is about 47 minutes into the film. Um, but like I say, he's sort of a, a mini boss if this were a video game. So it's it's just kind of strange that he doesn't even make an appearance till halfway through the film. But um, anyways, that's all. It just it, it seems like with this film it was good, but it did seem like there were a lot of loose ends that weren't tied up, almost like like it was heavily cut, and that the end product sort of had these loose ends due to all the editing or something like that. But a uh, good film. I enjoyed it overall. Yeah, definitely watchable, even rewatchable. Um, so that's it for the Frank Harris films. So go check out Frank Harris's films. Check out Kill Point for sure. Um, check them all out. But if you're going to choose just a couple, I would put Kill Point number one. Um, Aftershock and Lockdown would be the second group of good films in it. And then The Patriot and Low Blow, not that good. But, um, they're all worth checking out. They're all pretty short anyway, so... They're a lot of fun, and that's his complete collection, right? As far as I can see, um, Wikipedia's got a couple of funny, um, uh, like, a couple of weird, unverified um, facts on their on their Frank Harris page there, that including that they named some weird movie I've never heard of and I couldn't find the information on, so I think that's wrong. Nevertheless, I'm treating these five movies as the complete collection, you can do whatever you want, um, and you've got my opinion about which ones are good and which ones to watch, so go check them out. Thank you for listening today. Check out the show notes for this episode or any episode on my website at ptpod.xyz. The show notes contain the links to all my sources and products that were referenced in the episode. You can write a glowing review of my podcast on iTunes or Google Play, there are handy-dandy links in the menu on my website at ptpod.xyz. And you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash ptpod. The intro music for today's episode was Sweeter Vermouth, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Check out the link in the show notes. <laughs>